Welcome to the prolific teaching ministry of Pastor Emmanuel Iren, lead pastor of Celebration Church International. It is his vision to partner with you for your progress and joy in the faith. Ready, set, grow. So first and foremost, you see, your greatest loyalty is to the Word of God. And when you hear something that you are unfamiliar with, your reflex to study on it should be greater and faster than your reflex to argue on it. So um, we tend to be more traditional than scriptural in our generation. When you hear something new, I mean, you just start doing as if you have running stomach. And I see that all the time. And with due respect to whatever you believe and the authority of whoever taught it, the word of God is older and more senior to all of us. Amen, somebody. So let God be true and all men what? Say it with your full chest. Hallelujah. And so if I share some things that you're unfamiliar with, take your time. Listen. Put on your thinking caps. Run through it. All right? Some of you may need to go back, study on it, pray on it. Because that's how you grow. You have to understand. Don't forget what we shared last week. The people who killed Jesus thought they were doing God a favor. Many of them thought they were doing God a favor. They thought they were flowing with religious conviction. And so history bears witness that if you don't know the Bible enough, you will fight God and not know. That's why we need to take this teaching series as seriously as we can. So we continue our teaching series on how to interpret the Bible. And we started in a very powerful, simple way last week. And so we've titled this one, Word Lens, right? Christ through the scripture, Word Lens. Christ through the scripture. But first and foremost, why is interpretation important? I think that's a good place to begin because some people just think, uh, what are we doing? You know, some people think that doctrine is a distraction and that it divides us and let's just come together. Oh, you believe in Jesus. I believe in Jesus. That's fine. That's not good enough. That's not how to grow. Come on, are you with me? God wants you to know his word. He wants you to grow in it. So I think that's why it's important that we go through the importance of interpretation in the first place. And here's the first thing I want to tell you. If you do not interpret the word of God, the, the devil will do it for you. I take that again. If you do not interpret the word of God, the devil will do it for you. So the devil takes Jesus to the pinnacle of the temple and he says, jump for it is written. That, my friends, is Bible interpretation, is it not? Was it written? And now that interpretation, he was bringing his own satanic context. So because it is written, he shall give his angels charge over you to bear you up in your wings. They shall bear you up in their wings as eagles, lest you dash your foot against the stone. Now, he's telling him, jump from the pinnacle of the temple. Now, that's interpretation. So you can come to a point of so much naivety where you think, because he's, it's written, he shall give his angels charge over me. Therefore, I should just jump. 
and throw caution to the wind and do things that will normally harm myself. You know, there's a true life story in this nation of a man, incidentally, his name was Daniel, and that, that probably was part of the problem. And so he went to the Ibadan Zoo. You know, just in case you don't really know, we are still praying that they will maintain the zoos well so the animals don't get enough food. First mistake. The lion too was a believer has been praying for provision. <laughs> and here is one Daniel who thinks that he can stray into the lion's den because God shut the mouth of the lion. Listen, so let me tell you this. Teachings like this might be the difference between life and death for some people. Someone died because of improper Bible interpretation. Families have been divided because of improper Bible interpretation. You see, a lot of funny things happen in the church. You see, so you see people, the way they go about prophecy and interpretation, the way they go about, you, you know, there's a chaos. Chaos. And don't even get me started. In 1978, in the United States of America, investigators got to a church camp and found 900 people dead. Are you listening to me? 900 people dead. Why? Because their pastor told them to commit suicide. He gave them a religious reason to do so. And so they mixed, they mixed poison together and drank it. So they all died, and then he shot himself. which, by the way, is suspicious. He chose a fast death. 300 of them were 17 years and under. You see, the matter of Bible interpretation is a matter of life and death. The devil has used this to cheat people, to kill people, to steal from people. Wrong Bible interpretation has been used to read people of their money, read people of their possessions, read people of their, you, you know, the, all sorts of things are happening. A man of God caught a revelation. He says, Mary conceived of the Holy Ghost, but Mary was still a virgin. So he caught a revelation that if he sleeps with members of the church, because he is holy, he has not touched them. See, if you say Bible interpretation is not important, I feel rush you. <laughs> <laughs> We need to talk about it. Are you listening to me? Like I said, in many cases, 
It's a matter of life and death. Someone else on the pinnacle of the temple would have jumped, died, aborted his earthly assignments. In Genesis chapter 3, the serpent said, did God say? That's interpretation. Are you listening to this? Trying to give another perspective to what God said. Did God say? And if you don't study this properly, you will not be able to tell when it is the devil speaking to you. Because there are many voices that try to second guess the clear instruction of God's word. So a lot of people, for instance, some of them churchgoers who have another opinion on marriage. Opinion, and, and the devil will bring a seemingly intellectual reason, sometimes biblical reason. He will just misconstrue some, some texts. And people like that always try to judge the, the truth by his extremes. What about those who got married and discovered that their, their partner was, was, it was, was impotent? So what do we think about celibacy? You know, they, they, they always make their arguments with the extremes, with the exceptions. And the reason this has to be discussed is because you can be in church and the devil has negotiated you away from the word of God. Negotiated you away from the will of God. That's why Bible interpretation must be taught. Let me just say this. You know, someone said... Um, I think a teaching I did two weeks ago and said, oh, this looks like pastor's training. On one hand, I understand what you're trying to say, but understand this. There was no separate Bible or there is no separate Bible for pastors. Are you aware? So everything in the word of God is for everybody. In fact, Bible schools will not exist if all churches were doing their job. Did you hear what I just said? Bible schools are but an intervention because churches are not doing their job. Because the Bible says that all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction. That word translated instruction means education. But we've turned every service to a hospital. You know it's true. God heals. Thank God we just shared some testimony now. You know. Uh, but we, you, you have to understand we must get our priorities right. God wants you to grow up. And that's why this is important. Did God say that you cannot eat of any tree in the garden? Oh, well, but God knows that if you eat of this tree, you will be as gods, knowing good and evil. And like I said last week, the Bible says immediately the devil said that. She began to see the fruit differently. Tell the truth. Has anyone ever said anything about your Bible that for a brief moment shook you a little bit? You began to 
for a moment, see things differently. And if, if nobody explains it to you, you will be in trouble. You will be in trouble. Because that's what the devil does. So let me tell you, just like I said last week, I'm saying it again. Learning Bible interpretation is one of the greatest things you can do to fortify yourself when it comes to spiritual warfare. This is warfare. This is warfare. This is needed. It, it is necessary. It's your defense. It's important. Please, are you listening to this? It's important. It's not an option. You need it. You have to learn it. Be ready. You know what Paul says? Ephesians chapter 6 from verse 10. Open that, that text as fast as you can. Ephesians 6.10. It says, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Hallelujah. How many of you want to be strong in the Lord? You, you know, so now he's going to tell you what you need to do to be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. He goes on, popular text, relatively popular. He says, put on the whole armor of God. Listen, you hear this text again and again and what comes to your mind is, I need to pray more. I need to fortify myself. I need to fast more to put on the whole armor of God. There is a space for all of that. All of that is important. But, but you, you see, go with the text. How are you to put on the whole armor of God? I like the fact that it was qualified. He didn't say some of it, one of it. He says put on the whole armor of God. Thank God for prayer. But prayer is not the only tenet of the Christian devotion. Please, are you listening to me? He says to put on the whole armor of God. He says that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. So it goes without saying... That if you don't fortify yourself in the specific way that Paul says that you should do so, you are still vulnerable. You are still vulnerable. Meaning, if you don't fortify yourself this way, you will not be able. To stand against the wiles of the devil. Please, are you listening to me? Oh my God, I beg you to listen. And in verse 12, it says, For we wrestle not against flesh and blood. This is the kind of text that is often read when you're about to pray hot prayers. And rightly so. I thank God this is the praying church. We, we don't, you know, <laughs> you know, I, I was talking to someone last week, and he was talking about how he joined this church. He had visited a few times. He said one day, when he, he just came during the prayer session and saw us pray, he said, this is my church. You know, something happened. Years ago, some of you new Gs, newbies, you don't know this, but we used to be using, we used to use the cinema for church years ago. And respectfully, there were a couple other churches there. So someone was flying into the country, and a friend said, oh, you're going to Lagos? You need to attend Celebration Church. 
and said, it's in the mall, you know, this, um, so just described it. Now, she got there, she forgot the name of the church. And unfortunately for her, it wasn't just one church there. So how do I find the specific one my friend recommended? She, so she asked the cleaner, I'm looking for a church. The cleaner said, there are four churches here. Which one? And she said, they, they pray a lot. She said, that's the church. <laughs> True life story. So it's that one. And the cleaner was right. So I will never, by any stretch, undermine the ministry of prayer. Prayer will save your life. I'm not even joking. But there is something Paul calls the whole armor. The whole armor. Though he's talking about a totality of protection. He says, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and, and rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. And I know that every time you think of wickedness, the only thing you think of doing is to pray. But then look at what Paul says. He begins to describe metaphorically with spiritual poetry this armor that we must arm ourselves with. And you see, let me just start from the top of the gear. He says that we should wear the helmet of salvation. What did he call it, please? Oh, my God, listen. Oh, Jesus, 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 Jesus. So much to talk about. You know, someone said, unfortunately, the church is a mission field today. That there are many people in church who come to church regularly who have never heard the gospel. A friend of mine went to his village attended his grandmother's church. His grandmother has been an active worker since she was a teenager, and at this time she was about 85. And he preached the gospel. Christ died for your sins. And it is by placing your faith in what he has done that you have assurance of salvation. And the woman started crying. She called him after the service, said, explain that thing again. He explained it. She started crying. She said, I've been, in this, I've been serving in church since I was a teenager. No one ever explained it to me like this. She said, you don't understand. I would have died without hearing this. Now, my friend had to pacify her not to grow resentment against everyone who had pastored her prior. She was angry. You know, when, when you are 85, you are planning. Preparing to see the Lord. She's serving in church. She's a giver. She's doing all those things. And nobody cared to explain it to her. She was angry. Please, let me tell you this. Your defense is the helmet of salvation. Let me tell you. It doesn't really matter the Bible experiences that you have. The Christian, you can be healed and have no helmet. You can be blessed financially and have no helmet. Are you listening to me? Because you see, God heals without prejudice. He blesses without prejudice. So he can multiply five loaves and two fish, you know, knowing that these people are not really truly interested in him. But that doesn't count for salvation. Are you saved?
In fact, a demon can leave you if someone prays for you. Still doesn't mean you're saved. And guess what? True salvation or true deliverance is salvation. Colossians 1.13. He delivered us from the kingdom of darkness. Translated us from the kingdom to the kingdom of his dear son. That is the real deliverance. I can tell you something. A demon might have left you. You are not truly delivered until you are saved. They still, have, they still lay claim. You know, Jesus said, when a demon leaves a man, he walks upon dry places. He says, if he finds no new habitation, they say to themselves, I will go back to my house. They called it my house. Aye. There are people that demons have a sense of ownership over. Let's go back home. Because at the end of the day, you are still vacant. That space in your soul belongs to the Holy Ghost. Please, are you listening to me? And that's why some people are always running from one problem to another. They pray, this one went, another one came. What I'm teaching you is spiritual warfare. If you, listen, if you are not born again, you are not safe. You are not safe. I think I told you this in December. I was casting out the devil from a guy. And you know what he said? He said, it is you people. He was talking about the church. He said, it is because of the Holy Ghost you people carry that we cannot deal with these people well. He said, we can't wait for you people to go. The demon was talking about the rapture. He said, when you go, you know, he was saying, he said, we will eat their flesh. We will rip them apart. Because the church is the preservation of the world. The moment we enter the ark, things fall apart. He upholds all things by the word of his power through the church. Through the church. The moment we leave, that's when the world will know that all this while, the globe had no foundation. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run into it and are what? Therein lies true safety in the name. And the only way to be in the name is to be saved. Please, are you listening? Maybe the Lord is making me dwell on this for the sake of someone. Until you are truly saved, you are not truly safe. So he talks about the helmet of salvation. And the next thing, he talks about the breastplate of righteousness. Listen, righteousness consciousness is a defense. Righteousness consciousness is a defense. And that's something, you see, you can be wearing the helmet and not be conscious of the breastplates. And that's why we need to teach the church who they are in Christ. They need to be confident in it. You know what the Bible says? Uh, James says, the heartfelt continued prayer of a who? 
answer me of a who? Righteous man. So listen. Oh my God. In warfare, it's not just how hot the prayer is. It's not just how long the prayer is. And these things we emphasize and rightly so. But when it all comes down to it, you need to know who you are. Come on. Listen. Who are you? So it is not the prayer in and of itself that, that produces the power. It is who is praying. Are you a righteous man? And it's that consciousness, the righteousness consciousness. You must know who you are in Christ, what Christ has done for you, who you are. I can tell you one thing for sure. If you are not conscious of your authority, even if you have it, you will lose many things. And that's another thing that studying will do for you. If you want to learn only by experience, your growth will be stored and you will suffer many losses. The Bible tells us in Luke chapter 10, Jesus gave his disciples power over unclean spirits. So they went out to test it and they came back with reports. They wanted to inform Jesus about the power in his name. Oh, demons were subject to us in your name. They were telling a story. Jesus said, I saw Satan fall like lightning. So what they knew by experience, Jesus knew by revelation. Are you getting what I'm saying? Oh, oh of course. Of co the, the reason for the ease is that Satan is falling. I saw him fall. Now that's revelation. It tells you that there has to be revelation when it comes to exercising authority. I'm telling you how proper Bible interpretation can even make you more effective in power. And then he tells them, oh, listen, I know you had good experiences. Let me teach you revelation. Behold, I give you power. Don't know it because you went out and it worked. Learn it now by revelation. I give you power to tread upon serpents and scorpions. And over every ability of the enemy. And nothing shall by any means hurt you. Don't just come back. You know, so you had a good experience and you're giddy about it. See it in my word. I give you power. Reckon it to be true forever. To tread upon. Make nonsense of. Are you with me? See it in his word. And nothing shall by any means, not 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 by any means. Come on, are you with me? If you meditate on this, it will give you more safety when you journey. Not by any means. If you meditate on this, it will give you more security when you sleep. Not by any means. Not through dreams, visions, attack, poison, accidents. Nothing shall by any means. Are you listening to this? The breastplate of righteousness. And then he says, the belt of truth. The belt of truth. You know what Jesus said? He said, you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Truth is a defense. 
truth is a defense. The devil might not take you to the pinnacle of the temple. He would sure try to take you somewhere. Your defense will be truth. That's your defense. And that's why it's important to interpret the Bible. It's your defense. It's a matter of spiritual warfare. We are not trying to be erudite. Are you with me? We're not trying to be erudite. This is, this is war. This is war. The Bible says that when the seed is sown and it is not understood, the devil comes, the enemy comes and steals away the seed. His major goal is to make sure you never really understand this. Please, shame the devil in your life. Are you listening to me? Shame the devil in your life. I know we all pretend we study. I know from experience it's not true. Many church-going Christians don't read their Bible. That's why every time they want to quote, they're always paraphrasing. Have you noticed? Oh, why are you always paraphrasing? Which verse do you know offhand? Always quoting wrong. Always. You know, a lady came to our church office years ago, and she was just talking in passing. She said, you know, the Bible says, heaven helps those who help themselves. I said, no, it doesn't. She said, it does. Brought out her Bible, was trying to search. It was not successful. So she brought out Google. I said, okay, wait. I was just teasing you. Is there? Is in Hezekiah chapter three. She said, "It's true." She said, "I knew it." I said, ah. And she wanted to start looking for Hezekiah. I said, All right. "Problem deal." And so, have you ever seen someone you're like, hmm, "Where do I start teaching you from?" Like the journey is long. You have to sit them down and say, "In the beginning was the word." The word was the word. You don't. You don't know nothing. Hallelujah. So you, you have to learn to interpret the Bible. <laughs> and um, <laughs> oh my God, are you ready? Can we move on now? All right, look at 2 Timothy 2.15. The text that you use for exams, but has nothing to do with exam. It says... Study to show yourself approved unto God. A workman that need not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Everybody read 2 Timothy 2.15 together. One, two, go. All right, so now, first and foremost, when he says study, he means be diligent. 
And then he says to show yourself approved unto God. A workman. And, and I think this is the first place to begin. If you want to learn how to interpret the Bible, you're going to have to do work. You're going to have to labor. It will take you some time. It won't fall on your lap. You will never master anything you have not deliberately learned. It's going to have to take intentionality and consistency on your part. And listen, let me say this. I like to say this so that it will dawn on people and prick them a little. Whatever else you succeed at is, is witness against you. Because some of you are very great at your job. You went to a school. You finished with a good grade, those of you who did. Well, it's, ah, you want, you want to tell me see, all of us pass for you. <laughs> you went to school, you finished with a good grade. So God knows you know how to give what matters to you attention. You are now without excuse. So if you don't know the Bible, it's because it wasn't important to you. There is no, you can't know chemistry and not know Bible. You, you have no excuse. You have Wayek Rizon. Even if it is C, 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 you know, you, you are managed to have an average understanding of maths, English, biology, chemistry, physics. You, 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 you were qualified enough to enter the four walls of a university. You are without excuse forever. Are you listening to me? And so, whatever else you succeed at will be a witness against you on the last day. You were, you were able to build a company from the scratch and you don't know God's word. It's a witness against you. Some of you is sports. Sports commentary. If they just invite you, you know, there was, there, was, there was someone in school, he mentioned all the footballers on Arsenal, of all, of all teams. Okay. My dad-in-law is an Arsenal fan. I'm, I'm, look, I'm looking at him. All right. But, you know, yes, I'm the one with the mic. So, <laughs> I'm, so first and foremost, as if you already have a problem with God that is Arsenal. But anyway, anyway, no problem, no problem. <laughs> and then when he was done, he now started mentioning the footballers on the, in the under-17. Under-17. Now, such a person, you might be struggling with his academics. Clearly, brilliance is not the problem. <laughs> He might be struggling in his work with God. And so that's why the Bible begins this way. It will take diligence. Diligence. You, you can't grow this way. Just lazy. Lazy interpretation. Lazy prayer. Lazy, you know. No, you don't want effort. The moment the sermon is getting deep like this, you just turn off. You prefer Mary as a little lamb. <laughs> prefer gymnastics. As you are stressing pastors, they will be bringing props. Bring 
um, all types of illustrations. They will bring ladder, they will climb, some will fall. Don't <laughs> because you know one grow. Hallelujah. Study to show yourself approved. A workman that needs not to be ashamed. It means there's a type of preaching you ought to be ashamed of. <laughs> that as you are preaching, Paul will be looking at you. Shame. Wait, if they can summon you, they can come. Wait till you preach. Shame on you. What type of exegesis is that? How did you get this? You know, I told you on Wednesday, someone called me. He said, open your Bible. Deuteronomy 4. I don't know what, they always have deep voice. I'm just playing, I'm just playing. I opened it. The text did not make sense. He said, open, I think Ezekiel 1. It didn't make sense. I was waiting for the, exactly. And I said, what is four plus one? Ah, ah! I, I, I was still curious to know where it was leading. I said five. He said, what does five represent? I said, I don't know. He said, it's a number of grace. How? Said the Lord said that He's increasing the grace on your life. And I'm, why didn't you just say so? <laughs> Turn your Bibles, Psalm 100. I need 10 people to give $100 seed. Why dollar? Why not Naira? Who determines the currency? <laughs> Who determines the currency? Or like I said on Wednesday, why not saints, since we're saints of God, right? That makes more prophetic sense. Some of you didn't catch that. You know, but anyway, this is, this is really serious. It says, rightly dividing the word of truth. So it means there is a right way to interpret the Bible. Is that simple? Rightly divided. It means that proper interpretation is objective, not subjective. Let me tell you why you may not understand that as well as you think you do. Because there is a way we have interpreted what we call a rema word that takes away objective interpretation from the word. Because, oh my God, and first and foremost, don't get me wrong. The people who teach the Rema word, they're, they're trying to instill something very powerful in you. You know what Paul told the church at Thessalonica? He said, you received our words as not the word of man, but the word of God, as it is in truth. So there is a way to receive the word of God. Do you understand what I'm saying? Meaning, there's a way you can allow the word of God to marinate in your soul, to touch you. So when they're trying to teach Rema, they're trying to teach you receptiveness to the true prophetic impact of the word. 
The word of God can have prophetic impact in such a way that it's a text that you've always known, but that it, it shoots into your spirit like an arrow. You get what I'm saying? But, but, but the truth is, that still has to be regulated because some people have taken that to the extreme. And now, all sorts of interpretations have now emerged. And some people don't even know how to read the Bible objectively. Nothing is literal. And Paul went up to Jerusalem. You're reading? Up. Up. You're looking for the deeper meaning. Up. It means to ascend, elevate, advance. So, so like I said on Wednesday, the Word of God has a natural side to it. It is the Word of God, but written to a particular people in time. So you have to understand that there is a natural context. And guess what? Many of these books, especially the epistles, were letters. They were letters. So that tells you that the writers were not trying to be deep. Just imagine I write a letter to you. Maybe you're spending the weekend in my house, and so I leave a note. If you're hungry, there's cereal in the cupboard, so just climb up and get the cereal, and you're reading. Go up. That's how, that's how ridiculous some of these Bible studies. What's the deeper meaning? Hunger go wire you. You never start. The deeper meaning. Up. My brother, up means up. <laughs> so how then do you know when something figurative was intended? Number one, when you are told it is figurative. For instance, when Paul was teaching the Galatian church about the children that Abraham had, Isaac and Ishmael, he said, one, he says, these things are an allegory. He told you clearly. One representing grace. How does he represent grace? Because the only way Abraham could have Isaac was by believing the word of God. It was physically impossible for his wife Sarah to have a child, right? So, therefore, that child Isaac came on account of God's faithfulness and not the performance of the actors. Amen, somebody? But Ishmael, the concubine had no issue, so she could have an issue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, God, I'm getting good with this thing. Anyway, anyway, focus, focus, stop that. You know, but, but so now that represents, you know, um, the law, because it was about performance. You wanted to have a child, you know, using your own efforts. So the Bible says it's an allegory. So there are allegories in the Bible, and you are told when there are allegories. Don't allegorize the whole Bible. Someone says, uh, when David was coming against Goliath, he bent and he picked five stones. Five representing J-E-S-U-S. First and foremost, in those days he was called Yeshua. How many letters is Yeshua? Problem one. Problem two, he used only one stone to kill Goliath. Are you saying that we don't need all of Christ? <laughs> Give me a J, J, 
So you, don't, you stop with just J. Let's stop playing games. If you don't learn this thing, they go use and collect money from you. They play. Are you listening to me? So you know that it is figurative when you are told it is figurative. Number two, you know it is figurative when it is clearly figurative. By that I mean when the literal meaning makes no sense. When Jesus said, I am the bread, you eat. (laughs) It's figurative. When the literal meaning makes no sense, it's figurative. I am the door. It's not a sermon on upholstery or carpentry. It means access. He told you, no one can go to the Father except by me. Do you understand that? So, so these are the rules. Don't allegorize everything. Now, oh my God. Like I say almost every week, if I can't finish, we just end where I can end and that's it. Let me show you something. First Corinthians chapter 3, verse 10. I saw this years ago and it blessed me so much. Let's start with Ephesians chapter 3. From verse 1. It says, For this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ, Jesus, for you Gentiles, verse 2, if indeed you have heard of the dispensation of the grace of God which is given to me for you, verse 3, how that by revelation he made known to me the mystery, as I have written briefly already, verse 4, Everybody read verse 4 together. One, two, go. Read it again. One, two, go. Say that about yourself. Say, when I read, I will understand. So listen, Paul said, I wrote it for you to understand. Paul wasn't trying to be esoteric. He wasn't trying to confuse you to prove depths. Paul expected you to understand. So you can understand it. If you take time to study the context, you're going to get it. Paul believed you will. He says, when you read, you will understand. Say that with me. When I read, I understand. Hallelujah. Say it again. When I read, I will understand. You know, Paul told the church at Corinth, he said, I have not written anything that you cannot understand. That's, he was either saying the truth or lying. And I believe he's saying the truth. And so all we need to know, know is the proper methodology for interpretation, and then we get it. The text I quoted, by the way, is 2 Corinthians 1.13. It says, our letters have been straightforward, and there is nothing written in between the lines that you cannot understand. And so, this is how you must interpret the Bible. So listen, the Bible wasn't written to you. It was written for you. Oh, my God. 
And that's what makes the Rema method of interpretation very funny. Because you just, it's selective. You pick the ones you like. I have said you are gods. Ah, we are gods, we are gods. But he said you shall die like men. Why did you dodge that one? Why are you hand-picking? He didn't just say you are gods. He said you shall die. So when you stop playing games, you now want to understand in context. Now, I'm not even here to debate that. I'm just saying learn to interpret in context. Do you get what I'm saying? That the word of God was spoken to people who had a particular context. You know, so, um, so that means there is um, a culture and a language and a present reality in which it was spoken. And so you must now recognize that river that divides us, right? There's a river that divides us and, and makes us not to really understand what is written, like cultural barriers, language barrier, you know, situation and covenants. It separates us. For instance, the law was given unto them. It wasn't given to us. They were in a covenant with God. We are not in a covenant. With, are you aware you're not in a covenant with God? Do you know what a covenant is? Jesus did it. You believe it. You receive it. That's not a covenant. When the Bible says, for by grace are you saved, through faith, not of works. If it is not of works, that means it's not a covenant. Because covenant requires that you have a part to play for the part of the person that, that gave the covenant. Do you understand? You must hold on to your own part of the bargain. If all you do is to believe, you're not in the covenant. This is the era of faith, not covenants. Don't whine. You, you get mind though, covenants, you that can't keep a prayer life. If it's covenant, would you be in trouble by now? Say, is it not true? Listen, if it was by works, wouldn't you be in trouble? Say the truth now. Why are you flattering covenant with who? And so that bridge, this is where interpretation comes in. So it is by principle how what God told them now applies to us. Are you getting what I'm saying? And I like that when you're crossing the bridge, as you see there is the cross. Meaning it must be relevant in Christ and to us. Because there are some things that Christ by his sacrifice has abolished. Are you getting it? Are you sure? How many of you were not at midweek service? Raise your hand now. Don't, don't, I'm not judging you. Okay, put your hands down. Especially because it was on the island, okay? Now, let me quickly do this for the purpose of some of you who have not seen it before. There is a text that we have not been following in the church, and we must repent. In fact, not only is it a clear instruction in the Word of God, we were told four times at least to do it, and we have not been doing it. Please, are you ready to go into the Word of God? 
Answer me. Are you ready to go into the Word of God? All right, let's go into the Word of God. Open your Bibles, Second Corinthians. Give me a minute. <laughs> My notes is really playing games with me today. All right. All right, look at Second Corinthians 13, verse 12. By the way, if you are sitting beside your crush, today is your lucky day. Because the word of God is about to. Everybody read 2 Corinthians 13, 12 together. One to go. Why are we not doing this? I mean, okay, out of the mouth of two or three witnesses, every truth shall be. Look at 1 Corinthians 16, 20. I even prefer this one. 1 Corinthians 16, 20. Read it again. One, to go. All the brethren greet you. Greet one another. So first and foremost, not only does he say greet one another, he says all the brethren. I think this is a new revelation. We need to, there's a special kissing service. What do you think? So, now, why is it that the Bible says this four times but we don't do it? That's interpretation. Because a wise Bible interpreter knows that this was relevant in their culture, all right? There are still cultures today where you greet like that. You better learn it because you might be surprised the part of the world you go to, they just say, how are you? You know, but, so, but you, you need to be aware of the context because if you come to Lagos, and a guy just comes, greets another guy. Hey, hey, bro. Hey, <laughs> he be like, say. <laughs> Tani Brewer. <laughs> Anything you take is also our culture. You say that's where you, that's the way you greet where you come from. This is the way we respond where I come from. <laughs> so now, listen. So what you now do with a text like this is that you understand, number one, that was said in a particular culture. And so you bridge it, abridge it. What is the principle today? Listen, he says, let brotherly love continue, all right? Follow peace with all men. So that's the principle. So we keep the principle, but not the exact practice. Are you getting what I'm saying? So in some instances, the cultures are consistent. 
And so you can retain everything, but not in all instances. So what he was really teaching is that we be cordial one to another. And there are many other ways to do that in our culture, right? So there are language barriers, cultural barriers. All these things must be bridged. You don't just go to the book of John. The Bible says, Jesus said, one of you will betray me. When you were catching your rema, you didn't believe that one, that was you. Not once have you caught that kind of rema because you are selective. Right? But when you now get to the point, when he says, the spirit of truth will teach you all things. Or maybe um, John 2.20, 1 John 2.20, and you have need that, no need that anyone teach you. Now you believe that's talking to you. How about you interpret it in context? Come on, are you see, saying that? So now we have many young people who are not schooled in the world who believe they don't need a teacher, that the Holy Spirit teaches them. And that's not true. You want to know how to learn the word of God? It's right there. Look at 2 Timothy 2.2. 2 Timothy 2.2. We'll continue next week. It doesn't matter how long it takes us. We must learn this, right? 2 Timothy 2.2. Have you learned anything today? All right, 2 Timothy 2, 2, read together, 1, 2, go. All right, so this is how the truth moves from generation to generation. The things you have learned of me amongst faithful witnesses, commit to faithful men. Oh, my God. Unfortunately, we have men who are more interested in preaching an exciting sermon. They want to say something that you have never heard before. By the way, let me say something. If it has never been preached before, it is false. Did that surprise you? The Holy Spirit can give us fresh perspectives to the same truth. Fresh illustrations about the same truth. But truth must be preserved from generation to generation. So Paul said, the same things you have heard of me, commit to faithful men. So how do I know you are a good pastor? When you are faithful to what, it was, what was said, and you are able to transmit it the way it was said, retain it in its original form. Don't add to it in the name of gymnastics. You know, there's, a, there's, there's a, something we say in our local parlance, now skills they kill ninja. Remember that? Did you ever hear that? So, sometimes I, I see people, gymnastics with the word, and when they now collapse, it's a wonder to behold. Because you, you will see illustrations that are like concussion. There's something called syncretism. You mix, so you, you used to be, you used to visit Babalao. So you, you, you want to use the word of God as incantation. You just mix different things. But it must be interpreted in context. The same thing you have learned of me amongst many witnesses commit to faithful men who will teach others also. And then the ultimate thing you must learn for time's sake, oh my God, 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 oh my God. Jesus, we need longer services. Yo, 
all love the word of God, don't you? So, let's go over what we've learned. Number one, even if the word of God can have a prophetic impact in your life, the Bible says, rightly dividing. There is a way to rightly divide. And how is, here is what you need to know. The word of God can never say what it never said. It can never mean today what it never meant. Are you okay with that? It can never mean today what it never meant. And so, what the Spirit does is to give the same truth a prophetic power in our life. And that is what I believe people are trying to describe as the Rema word. Not that you take something that the Bible is not saying and just make it yours. So, for instance, I told you on Wednesday how someone said the Lord told him from his word that he must attend a private university. Middleton put up First Corinthians, First Timothy to let me quickly show them a good degree, you know. And I said, how did God show you from his word? And then he says, Paul told Timothy that those who use the office of a deacon well obtain for themselves a good degree. So God told him to go for a good degree. And that good degree is private school. Now, here is what he did not know. Our church wanted to support him academically. We couldn't afford private university sponsorship at the time. But he said the Lord told him good degree. I said, okay, sorry. We don't have money for good degree. <laughs> Unfortunately, three years after thereabout, I saw him, no good degree. So interpretation has put people in trouble. Because good degree is not, you don't, don't read meaning into the text. That's not Rema. Are you learning this? So the Bible, oh my God, you don't go to the word of God to defend an understanding. You go to the word of God to gain understanding. What I am saying will save your life. Take this simple principle. Apply it when it comes to generosity, when it comes to marriage, when it comes to prayer, when it comes to everything. It will give you stability. To give you stability. To give you stability. You know, there's, there's, there, uh, can I speak freely to you? Our giving culture must show compassion. Are you listening to me? And the reason I can say this is because we all have a giving culture. And my teaching this has never affected us. In fact, it makes us give well and unintentionally. Don't, don't, because you are a pastor, just don't suck your members dry. You know, two months ago, there was someone I told, I said, if by December you have not built a car, if you've not built a house, I will stop collecting gifts from you. You see, some people will hear what I said and be annoyed because you are used to people who take advantage of you. That's why. 
You're giving me all these lavish gifts. You have not built a house. I said, by this, I give you to December. If you have not built a house or bought a house, I will not collect the gifts from you again. And make no mistake, you, you must be generous, you must be sacrificial. Some of you, this is not the word for you. You, you still, even offering, God still they help you. But then there are some others. The first time this happened was 2014. I had to tell Pierre, I said, talk to this lady. I know she loves the Lord. The way she's given, does she save? And so we had the meeting. I'm serious. He said, uh, yeah, you're giving to the Lord. We appreciate it. Do you have savings? He said, the Lord is my life. I want to. So hold on. I said, you know what? If you want to give consistently, invest. If you really love the Lord the way you claim to do, invest so that you can keep giving. That's, that's the way we persuaded her. She said, hmm, that's true. Please, are you listening to me? I, I personally, and thank God, I'm blessed and I'm content. Someone came to see me during the week just small he was in in fact I, he was there for me to pray for him that he's in financial strain after the counseling he had a fat envelope to give me because now you see the thing is even if you are broke you still have the notion that you must share give otherwise the pastor will look at you so i said no i can't take this from you you're here so I can join faith with you for this. Yeah, I, I can't take this from you. When people love the Lord, they will return to Bible giving. In fact, now you go tired. I'm telling you. My people, celebration church. <laughs> Do you understand? We, we, you see, the Bible says, every man has a proposes in his heart. So let him give. When the love of God moves you, you will do it right. You will do it well. You will do it consistently without pressure. Amen, somebody. That's the Bible way. So listen, oh my God. It says, every man has a proposes in his heart. But you know, there is a way you can do the sermon And it pushes people beyond what they have proposed. You and God will know. Please, there is nothing wrong in saying, oh, we have this project. If you want to give, please come forward. Nothing wrong. But when, when, first and foremost, when you have a guest minister to do that for you, and it's usually people who are professionals, a pastor friend you know, was going through a phase in his church. They needed money. They were going through a lot. A pastor called him. He said, call me. I will raise it once for you. <laughs> That's his own ministry to the body of Christ. He said, call me once. I will, I will raise it. Praise the Lord. Put aside preconceived notions. Go and dust your Bible again. And read properly. And may the Lord bless us in the name of Jesus. Did you learn anything? Stand to your feet and let's pray.
if I offended you, you know I love you. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. By the way, I preached something else in first service. I want to go study that. So both sermons are one. You're going to pray a prayer. Jesus said, every plant that my heavenly father has not planted shall be rooted out. Are you aware he was talking about doctrine? That false doctrines will wane in popularity and the truth of God's word will prevail. Would you like that to happen? So we pursue this with proper teaching, church planting and all of that, but also with prayer. I don't want to give you stories upon stories. People have suffered. People have suffered. I was preaching once. I gave a word of knowledge about a lady that left the house and was in a so-called church. Married woman left her family, went to be staying in the church, so-called service. You see, when Paul told the church at Galatia, who has bewitched you? It's sometimes, it's some pastor will be like witchcraft. Are you under a spell? What rubbish is this? Hallelujah. And, and all we are saying is this. Let God's people see the light of his word and love him genuinely. Amen, somebody. I want you to pray that the word of God taught in truth will prevail in your day. Begin to pray that. Pray that. Pray that like you will pray a warfare prayer. the light of your word cuts across the nooks and crannies of our city and beyond. Amen. Every plant that our heavenly father has not planted shall be rooted out. Amen. And anyone caught in the web of false doctrine, deliverance is coming to them. Amen. Thank you, Father. Amen. We thank you for this we receive it by faith. We act on it by evangelism, by teaching your word faithfully. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name.
thank you for listening. We are sure that you have been blessed. For inquiries, reach us on our helpline 0809-996-7000. Blessings.